This evening's scripture is taken from Judges, chapter 16, verses 4 and 5. Judges, chapter 16, verses 4 and 5. And it came to pass afterward that he loved a woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Deliah. And the lords of the Philistines came up unto her and said unto her, Entice him, and see wherein his greatest strength lieth, and by what means he may prevail, we may prevail against him, that we may bind him to afflict him, and we will give thee every one of us eleven hundred pieces of silver. Good evening and welcome again to our Sunday night worship service. We're grateful for your presence. We're thankful for the opportunity to be together, and we trust that our time spent together as God's people will be beneficial and will encourage us as we strive to live the Christian life. We're going to be looking in just a moment at the book of Judges, chapter 16, and I want to ask you to turn in your Bibles to Judges, the 16th chapter, and we're going to be thinking about the theme sin will bring you down. Last week in our Sunday morning worship service we talked about the Christian's relationship to sin. And tonight I want us to think about the theme sin will bring you down. And we're going to be thinking about this based on Judges 16 in just a moment. I do want to mention the fact that we had a good turnout for our singing this afternoon. And we appreciate each and every person that was present. We had I think 11, I counted I think 11 residents uh, present and some uh, nine members from here. And Brother Raymond and Brother David did a great job leading our singing and we appreciated uh, them in this great effort. And so I hope to encourage each of you to come out and be a part of this very special time that uh, is afforded us on a monthly basis. All right, we want to look at Judges chapter 16 tonight. Let me begin by just making a couple of statements regarding this man that you and I know as Samson. Samson was a man that, in many respects, had a very bright future before him. God used him to deliver the Israelite people out of, of the hands of the Philistines. And if you look at the book of Judges as a whole, you'll find that it's somewhat cyclical in nature. God's people would do right and he would bless them. And then they would do evil in his sight and so he would oppress them. And over a period of time, they would then cry out for deliverance. And then God would raise up a judge, one to deliver them. And so in Judges chapter 13, we read of the miraculous birth of Samson. And we find that Samson was going to be a deliverer of the Israelite people out of the hands of the Philistines. And he had a very bright future before him. And yet, unfortunately, he, like many of us, made some very poor decisions in life. And those decisions ultimately led to heartbreak and sorrow in his life. Now I know that last week we talked about what Paul said in Galatians chapter 6 verses 7 and 8. When Paul wrote, be not deceived, God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Well those words are very true. 
And no doubt in the life of Samson, they ring very true. So I want you to think with me for just a moment or two about the theme, sin will bring you down. And the first thing that I call your attention to is the seduction of sin. In looking at Judges chapter 16, we find beginning in verse 5, and of course Samson, the Bible says, loved a woman by the name of Delilah. And ultimately, this proved to be his downfall, or the beginning of his downfall. But note if you would in verse 5, And the lords of the Philistines came up to her and said to her, Entice him, and find out where his great strength lies, and by what means we may overpower him, that we may bind him to afflict him, and every one of us will give you 1,100 pieces of silver. The first thing that I would suggest unto you is the fact that when we talk about sin and the theme, sin will bring you down. Satan is going to bait you. And that's really what we have here in our lesson text. The Philistines basically have asked this woman whom Samson loved to bait him. To entice him, to reveal unto her where his great strength ultimately lie. Well, the Bible tells us that Satan walks about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And one of the things that he does is he seeks to bait us, to entrap us, to ensnare us. Take, for example, what James said in James chapter 1. In verse 13, he said, Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil. Neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away by his own lust. And lust, when it has conceived, brings forth sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Here you have the progression beginning in temptation that ultimately leads to sin. And death. And so there's this idea born out in the scriptures that Satan is going to try to bait you. That's what he tries to do to all of us. Satan is going to look at our points of weaknesses. And once he finds those points of weaknesses, he's going to seek to lay a trap, to bait us, just like sometimes we will do if we hunt. Or fish. We're trying to bait something. But then also in the second place, not only will Satan try to bait you, but I would submit unto you that Satan will try to beat you down. In other words, what he's going to do is try to beat you down over a period of time. Look again at Judges chapter 16. Now we find in verse 6 that Delilah said to Samson, Please tell me where your great strength lies, and with what you may be bound to afflict you. And and Samson said to her, If they bind me with seven fresh bowstrings, not yet dried, then I shall become weak and be like any other man. So the lords of the Philistines brought up to her seven fresh bowstrings, not yet dried, and she bound him with them. Now there were men lying in wait, staying with her in the room, and she said to him, 
The Philistines are upon you, Samson. But he broke the bowstrings as a strand of yarn breaks when it touches fire. So the secret of his strength was not known. Now, you know, if that had, a, had occurred one time, that might have been one thing. But three times we find that she is seeking to undermine where his great strength ultimately lied. And so the Bible says, drop down if you would to verse 16. And I think this is a key verse. So it came to pass when she pestered him daily with her words and pressed him so that his soul was vexed to death. That he told her all that was in his heart. And said to her, no razor has ever come upon my head for I... For I've been a Nazarite to God from my mother's womb. If I am shaven, then my strength will leave me and I shall become weak and be like any other man. Again, if we go back to 1 Peter chapter 5. Peter said, be sober, be vigilant. Your adversary the devil walketh about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Now how often does Satan seek... To circumvent the faith of God's people regularly, daily, persistently. It's noteworthy that in Matthew chapter 4, the Bible speaks of Jesus having fasted 40 days and 40 nights. And the Bible says, afterward, he was hungry. And the tempter came to him, tempting him. And Satan said, if you're the son of God, command that these stones be made bread. What was Jesus' response? Well, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. But Satan wasn't finished. We find Satan again approaching Jesus. The Bible says he took him to the pinnacle of the temple and said, if you're the son of God, cast yourself down. And then a third temptation Matthew tells us that Satan took Jesus up into an exceeding high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them and said, all of these will I give you if you fall down and worship me. Verse 11 says that because Jesus resisted the efforts of Satan, that Satan left him and angels ministered unto him. Now, James said in chapter 4, resist the devil and he will flee from you. But just because you resist him today and he flees today does not mean that he's not going to come back and call again tomorrow. When we think about the seduction of sin, we have to understand that first of all, Satan's going to try to bait us and then he's going to try to beat us down. He's going to try to wear us down over a period of time. And one of the ways that we maintain our spiritual strength and stamina is we stay in the Word of God, just as Jesus did. When he responded to the devil on three occasions, it is written, it is written, it is written. And then we stay faithful in our worship to God. We stay involved in the work of God. We're surrounding ourselves with truth and righteousness, with good people. But now there's a second thing I want you to see in our text. And this has to do with the idea of succumbing. 
to sin. Now, the Bible says in verse, in verse 17 that Samson told Delilah all of his heart. Now, that was a grave mistake. Verse 18 says that when Delilah saw that he had told her all his heart, she sent, called for the lords of the Philistines, saying, Come up once more. For he has told me all his heart. So the lords of the Philistines came up to her and brought the money in their hand. Then she lulled him to sleep on her knees and called for a man and had him shave off the seven locks of his head. Then she began to torment him and his strength left him. And she said, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. So he awoke from his sleep and said, I will go out as before at other times and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had departed from him. Now, in verse 21, we are introduced to some of the problems that result when we succumb to, to sin. First of all, let me suggest unto you that sin will blind you. Look, if you would, at what the text says. Then the Philistines took him and put out his eyes. Now, I'm not talking about losing our physical sight. But spiritually speaking, we can become blind to sin. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, In whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of the hearts of them which believe not. Did you know that sin will blind you to the will of God and to the word of God? How many times have you heard individuals make the statement, well, now the Bible may say this, but let me tell you, when that attitude rears its head, you have grave spiritual problems. Jeremiah said, it is not in man that walketh to direct his own steps. We need divine aid and counsel that comes to us via the word of God. That's why the psalmist said, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my pathway, Psalm 119, 105. We need the direction that comes to us through God's holy word. And yet many people become blinded to divine truth. Was it not Solomon that said in the long ago, there is a way that seems right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death? There are a lot of people that have been deceived, spiritually speaking. They have allowed sin to blind them to right and wrong. Let me tell you one of the byproducts of not studying your Bible. In Hebrews chapter 5, the writer talks about those who by reason of time ought to have been teachers. But he said, you have need that one teach you the first principles of the oracles of God. Well, what was the problem? They were not growing spiritually. And yet Peter said, as newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby in 1 Peter 2, 2. Peter also said in 2 Peter 3, 18, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But these people were not growing spiritually. So what happened? Well, they needed to be retaught. But one of the byproducts of studying the word of God, according to Hebrews chapter 5, verse 14, is that we can discern between good and evil. Sometimes individuals, even within the body of Christ, 
will look at certain things and they will make statements that they cannot logically and scripturally back up. I don't see anything wrong with drinking alcohol. I don't see anything wrong with having a drink or two. Well, the Bible says wine is a mocker. Strong drink is raging. Whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. That's just one example. But there are a lot of things that people do that they just don't have book, chapter, and verse to back up. And so sin blinds us to the will of God and to the word of God. But then secondly, not only does sin blind us, but sin binds us. Look now at verse, look now again at verse 21. Then the Philistines took him and put out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza. They bound him with bronze fetters. Samson was physically bound. Is that not what sin does to us? I think about the web of sin. You ever seen a spider and he will catch his prey in a spider web? In 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 26, Paul talks about those who are taken captive by the devil to do his will. And he prefaces that by saying that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil. Well, what did the devil do? He laid a trap. He baited you. Here's a person that has been baited by Satan. And that entrapment, that trap, so to speak, foiled the child of God. And thus they were taken captive to do the will of Satan. Now, Jesus said in John 8, verse 34, that those who serve sin are literally the bondservants of sin. Sometimes individuals have the idea that they can play with sin and temptation, and it will not have any kind of negative effects upon them. You've heard the old statement, if you play with fire, it'll burn you. Well, that's what sin does. Sin casts a web and ultimately it catches its prey. This past week, I think it was this past week, I saw a television show in which a young girl, probably 18, 19, 20 years old, was talking about her drug addiction. And it was utterly amazing to me the terminology she used to describe her addiction. She said it's like being married to a drug. Now you just think about an 18, 19, or 20 year old person becoming enslaved to a drug. To such an extent that it's like being married to that drug. And you'll do anything to get that drug. If it means stealing, you'll steal. If it means prostituting your body, you'll do that. It does not matter. The depths and the degradation associated with sin. Sin will bind you. It'll blind you, but it'll also bind you. But there is another thing, I think, that we see in our text. Not only will sin blind you, but it will bind you. And I would suggest unto you 
that sin will burden you. How do I know that it will be a burden to you? Well, look again at what is said. The Philistines took him, put out his eyes, brought him down to Gaza. They bound him with bronze fetters, and he became a grinder in the prison. Here is a man that allowed some foolish foolish decisions to ultimately lead him to a point in time in his life when he had a great burden to bear. A couple of things that come to mind with regard to this. First of all, there is the weight of sin. The Hebrew writer talks about in Hebrews chapter 12, laying aside every sin and the weight that does so easily beset us. And then we are exhorted to run with patience or perseverance the race that has been set before us. Here was a man that had been raised up to be a judge in Israel. God was going to use this man. God did use this man. And yet he allowed his poor decisions to put him in prison. And not only was he in prison, but he was a grinder in prison. The toil that he must have expended. Now I said that there is the weight of sin. He had to bear this burden. Here's a man that had his eyes put out. He's bound with fetters. He's grinding in prison. At one time, he had been a respectable individual. People looked up to him. They talked about his great strength. And now he's nothing more than a common inmate. Grinding in prison. The weight of sin and also the wasteland of sin. I'm not sure that we truly see the wasteland of sin. I said at the onset of our lesson that sin will bring you down. And one of the reasons it will bring you down, it will take you literally to borrow the expression from the penthouse to the outhouse. That's no exaggeration. Think, for example, about the prodigal son in Luke 15. The prodigal son went to his father, asked for his inheritance. His father granted that request. Not many days after, he gathered all of his goods together, took a journey into a far country, and the Bible says there he wasted his substance with riotous living, with prodigal living, profligate living. Well, what happened? The Bible says, and when he had spent all, there arose a famine in the land. And he began to be in want. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. You ever thought about that young fellow? Probably had a good home, loving parents, loving friends. I think about our home environment today. Now, most of us, what is it we try to do? We try to provide protection. We try to give our children the very best. We try to take care of them. We try to guide them and nurture them in the right way. I have no reason to believe that this man's father didn't do the same. And yet he thought he knew better than his father. 
And so he goes out, he leaves this nice, tranquil, serene, peaceful, safe environment for a wasteland of sin. Now that's exactly what happened to Samson. Samson had it all going for him. And what did he do? He threw it all away. The weight of sin and the wasteland of sin. But there's another thing I think we see in our text. Sin will blind you. It will bind you. It will burden you. And it will belittle you. It's right here in the text. Look again at Judges 16. The Philistines had taken him. They put out his eyes. They brought him down to Gaza. They bound him with bronze fetters. He became a grinder in the prison. However, the hair of his head began to grow again after it had been shaven. Now the lords of the Philistines gathered together to offer a great sacrifice to Dagon, their God, and to rejoice. And they said, Our God has delivered into our hands Samson, our enemy. When the people saw him, they praised their God, for they said, Our God has delivered into our hands our enemy, the destroyer of our land and the one who multiplied our dead. Now note if you would. So it happened when their hearts were married that they said, Call for Samson, that he may perform for us. So they called for Samson from the prison, and he performed for them. Here's a man that was a judge in Israel, a man that God had raised up to deliver the Philistines, or rather to deliver the Israelites out of the hands of the Philistines, He has this great reputation, and now what is it? What's the situation? Why, they're making sport of him. They're getting him to perform for them. Let me tell you, sin will make a fool out of you. It will literally make a fool out of you. That's what it did to Samson. It made a fool out of him. The Bible says fools make a mock at sin. And there's some people that they laugh and ridicule the idea of sin. But what people don't understand is you get out and you just choose to live any way you want, to do what you want, To live an unbridled life in the eyes of God. And I'll promise you sin will make a fool out of you. There are many people today. That are demonstrating that in their lives. Solomon said the way of the transgressor is hard. If people could only understand that. I bet if you could could have interviewed Samson. That he could have identified with those words. The way of the transgressor is hard. I think about mothers and fathers. Husbands and wives that are not faithful to one another. They began to live in adultery. Their foolish escapades. Create consequences that they will live with. Until they die. Can they be forgiven? Yes they can. But it makes them look foolish. 
People that get wrapped up in drugs and alcohol. People that get addicted to gambling. Let me tell you, it makes people look so foolish. Because they have ignored the word of God. Samson did not have to, he did not have to take this course in life. But he was, he was careless. And because of that, he paid a terrible price. So, sin will belittle you. It'll make you look bad. And there are a lot of people in our world today that look bad because they have chosen this way of life. Let me just make an observation. Many of us have been horrified this past week because of the events that occurred on Lester Street in Memphis, Tennessee. Now, murder is not uncommon in Memphis. All of us know that. We readily agree to that fact. But let me tell you what, and I'm, I'm not a prophet. I'm not the son of a prophet, as Amos said in the long ago. But let me tell you why those events occurred. S-I-N. It does not take an Einstein to figure out why there are so many problems in the lives of people in our country today. People are asking, what happened on Lester Street and what happened in Memphis and what about all of this stuff? Let me tell you, what's, the problem is sin. That's the problem. If people would do away with sin in their lives, if they would allow the word of God to govern their lives... Our nation would be radically different. You think, about, you think about some of the things that are going on in our society, in our nation, the crime rate, the murder rate, the things that occurred this past week in Memphis. If those who were involved, uh, I think about the one who perpetrated the crime, had he been living in accordance with the will of God, those people wouldn't be dead today. They wouldn't, they wouldn't be dead. They'd be alive. And there are a lot of instances in which people put themselves in grave danger because they ignore the word of God. Now Hosea said, speaking of the people in his day and time, he said, they've sown to the wind and they'll reap the whirlwind. We're reaping the whirlwind as a nation of people because we have abdicated the word of God in our homes and in our lives. We're paying a terrible price. And then finally, let me suggest that not only will sin be a burden to you, but ultimately sin will beat you. The wounds of sin. What happened to Samson? You can read the story. You can read the rest of the chapter and you find out that Samson died. Take, for example, what is said in verse 26. Samson said to the lad who held him by the hand, Let me feel the pillars which support the temple so that I can lean on them. Now the temple was full of men and women. All the lords of the Philistines were there. In fact, there were about 3,000 men and women in on the roof who watched while Samson performed. Then Samson called to the Lord saying, O Lord God, remember me, I pray. Strengthen me, I pray, just this once, O God, that I may with one blow take vengeance on the Philistines for my two eyes. 
And Samson took hold of the two middle pillars which supported the temple. He braced himself against them, one on his right and the other on his left. Then Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. And he pushed with all his might. And the temple fell on the lords and on the people who were in it. So the dead that that he killed at his death were more than he had killed in his life. What's the point? The wages of sin is death. Sin is a dead-end street. Paul said in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, the wages of sin is death. There is a payday someday. The actions of of Samson brought about a payday. You can live in sin and you can die in sin, but you'll pay for it. That's ultimately what the Bible says. Now, on the flip side of that, the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. That's why we preach the gospel. That's why we encourage people to rise above sin. Because sin will bring you down. My encouragement to all of us tonight, learn from the the lives of people like Samson. Samson had life by the tail. And yet he threw it all away. Please don't throw your life away with sin. Choose to live by the Bible. I promise you, if you'll follow the Bible, God will bless your life. If you ignore the Bible, you'll pay a severe penalty. Tonight we close by asking the question, are you a Christian? Have you obeyed the gospel? If not, would you come to Jesus Christ tonight? Do you believe that he is the son of God? If, if so, would you be willing to repent of your sins? Luke 13, 3, confess his name before others. Matthew 10, 32, be baptized into Christ for the remission of sins. Acts 2, 38. If you're unfaithful to the cause of Christ, I plead to you tonight, come home. We would be happy to pray with you and for you, and the Bible assures us God will abundantly pardon Hebrews 8, verse 12. Would you come as we stand and sing?